Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the conversation series. I am thrilled to be in person today with Dr. Terrence Ruth. Um, he, he's got a Wolfpack heart, which I love. He's an NC State professor. Um, he was a 2022 candidate for mayor of Raleigh. He's the host of brand new illogical by truth podcast. We were just talking about it. I was like, welcome to this very, very large world. Um, and it is a very large world, but Terrence, I am, I'm so thankful to have you here with me today and I'll let you introduce yourself more. Not a problem. One, uh, thank you Daniel, for having me and allowing for me to be um, yeah. in this beautiful, uh, space. You know, I, uh, when I started the illogical podcast, I was really coming out of that election yes. Yes. and there were several questions that I couldn't answer during that season. Yeah. And, um, from that, it birthed me into that world. Yes. Um, but outside of recording and creating that yeah. podcast, um, I was just a, a family man. I have a son that's yeah. uh, nine and going to the fourth grade and, um, a wife who, um, is uh, active in the city. Yes. Um, often uh, at wonderful restaurants. She's a badass. <laughs> she. We have. We have had here on here, and my God, she's a badass. And 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 what I what I appreciate about uh, sort of my family is that they provide strength where where I need it. And yes. uh, so Kiera has an authentic story that's pretty dynamic. Yeah. And uh, most people who hear her story. Um, realize her significance yeah. um, in the world and also in our family. Um, but I'm a professor at State, been there for about eight to nine years. Um, I teach in the School of Social Work and African Studies. Okay. So I teach research and evaluation. And then in African Studies, I teach African-American leadership. Okay. Um, one of the courses that I love the most is African-American leadership because it goes into the crevices of, yeah. of, of the pr profiles yes. that yes. people normally um, overlook or yes. homogenize. Um, and then also, I've been a part of the community for some time. I've been an alternative school principal. Um, and alternative school means you deal with uh, kids who are suspended. So most of my kids are in communities that yep. that most people fear and in communities where most people avoid. Yep. But I'm attracted to that space. Yep. Um, there's something about communities that have resilience and grit um, that you will miss if you don't touch you know, those yes. particular areas. Yes. Uh, but also those schools allowed me to see the most amazing talent and hidden treasures in our city. And so, yeah, that's my story. I'm a teacher, um, both in public school and at NC State, a family person. And then I'm entering that universe of podcast <laughs> world. So I'm learning. <laughs> I love it. And I, I want to start with your journey and how you became passionate about running for mayor and government and where that passion began for you. Yeah. So I have a, I have a philosophy around leadership um, that I really explored in the podcast. Yes. Um, it is, it's a, a, a philosophy around Ella Baker's view, which was um, different than Dr. King. Um, it didn't stand um, completely adverse to Dr. King, but it was different than Dr. King. Okay. It, it was, of leadership that said that we need to decentralize okay. and not have a, a, a hierarchy of leadership, but that leadership is in the people. Yep. And uh, if we have strong people, yep. then we don't need one strong leader. Yep. And so I actually believe in that philosophy. And so okay. um, as a young child, my my parents always had me in community. Okay. That was a part of our upbringing. I don't yep. know um, a time in my life where that was not a norm. Yep. And so for me, uh, 
community was family. Yep. And so as I grew up, that became a part of my career. Yep. Yep. And so I ended up going to get my bachelor's in Atlanta, uh, where uh, a professor, her name is Dr. Moma now at the time, her name was Dr. King. Okay. And she was the adjutant to Bernice King, Dr. King's okay. daughter. And she, she just uh, said, I'm a, I'm a mentor you. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a wow. pour life into you. Wow. And she is the first person that broadened my idea of community okay. to, to mean social justice. Okay. She introduced me to Coretta Scott okay. um, before she passed away. Um, I had a chance to introduce Dr. or not Dr. but uh, Senator Lewis or Representative okay. Lewis, uh, late John Lewis, uh, when he came to our school. Yep. She sort of thrust me into um, not just community yep. and a sense of connection, but the struggles of okay. community. Okay. Like how do you yep. move beyond surface engagement yep. to seeing the pain in which people are dealing okay. with every day? Okay. And after that, I, I end up teaching at a um, a school, a juvenile school. Yep. And uh, when I arrived, the kids were marching to class yep. with, with sort of, it was almost like a military or prison garb on. Yeah. And as a teacher, you don't get exposed to that universe. Yeah. You normally see a traditional public school, yeah. the bell ring, all the kids yeah. freely move. In this space, every movement was controlled. Interesting. And that was my introduction to public schools. I spent more time in a, a movement restrictive space. Yeah of learning than I did in a free wow. learning. And that really formulated how I view the world. I began to ask questions. Yeah. Why are we producing this outcome yeah. in our neighborhoods? Why yeah. are we producing these outcomes in our communities? And the people that I'm talking about were my students. Yep. I was getting brothers and sisters and, and uncles and cousins yep. and sons. And so it was a, there was a family generation that was traveling yep. through these juvenile detention yeah. centers. And so the question is, why are we producing that trend? Right, right. <laughs> and um, how do we stop it? Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, and so that really birthed my um, exploration of higher okay. learning. That's when okay. I went to get my master's in education. And then I ended up getting my uh, PhD in public affairs. Okay. So it takes policy yeah. and you're given the tools to sort of drill that down to yeah. the ground. Yep. And so I was able to get formal training around policy. Yep. And then I was able to just live a life that was embedded in okay. raw community pain, I would okay. say. Okay. Uh, and um, from there, I took some courses on uh, candid, like IOPL, Institute for yep. Political Leadership. Yep. Um, they teach you how to navigate as yep. a candidate. Um, and then from there, I listened to the people. And okay. so people began to say, we need your skill set for yep. this moment. Yep. And so in that, that's what birthed yep. my announcement in 2021. Okay. Um, I did a whole 2020 virtual uh, tour the city, just okay. listening to different yep. people. Yep. And then at 21, we made our announcement. Okay. We're going back to your point on community real quick, because I was actually just having this conversation with somebody. Community today, when I'm looking around, even when I think back to my childhood, very different than community. <laughs> it was very different. And even as you have a nine-year-old son, like, and you went through a different community, how, like, how do you approach, you know, we grew up, I always say, I, I always loved when I grew up because we grew up biking, walking everywhere. We didn't have cell phones. We didn't have any social media. We grew up in a very cool time. How do you approach, you know, people who are growing up today and people who like 
yourself and myself who grew up in a time where those things just that they, they, we don't have the same growing up experience. Yeah. Uh, community is a very, in, in the academic world, community yeah. is very difficult to define. Most people assume they know, and most people assume that they're experts on yes. that term. But if you actually go to try to understand that term, that concept, yes. there's books and books and articles and articles written on the term community. Yes. And so your question is a very relevant question that we should be asking more often. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> and, and so uh, for me, um, community had different layers. Okay. Uh, my parents were military parents. Okay. So you you were a transient community yes. member. Yes. <laughs> so you, you were, yes. you were in home to home, school to school, yes. house. So you're transient, you're engaging at yes. different levels of community. And most of the time you're fitting in where you observe and see yes. and you plug in. Um, the risk is not as high because yes. you are, you may not be there the next right. year. Right. Uh, so I was in a very transient uh, uh, family community, uh, which was much different, but once we landed in a place, yeah. community was in proximity. Okay. So that bike riding, yes. that playing, playing tag, yeah. football, whatever it may yeah, be. It, yeah, it, all of it was in proximity. Okay. Um, we have reached a time where kids will be born with a device yeah. and they will leave this earth with a device. device. And it's a device that's personal to them. Yep. You can track their, their location yes. through that device. Yes. And so because of that, we have we are now seeing um i believe it was the nielsen report that kids are spending more time in virtual community than they yeah. are in physical community okay. and it's not just community abstract they're spending more time in virtual community than they are with their immediate family so the kids are in community yeah. in relationship and I call it never, never land. Cause there's no adults and in that space. It, there's no yeah. engagement with that space. When I began to first see that pattern, yeah. I was a middle school principal and most of the friction or celebration from students happened online. Wow. And then it was acted out when they arrived to the school. Okay. It used to be that something happens in the neighborhood yeah. and then it arrives yes. to school. No longer is it the neighborhood, it's the virtual okay. neighborhood that things happen. Okay. And then our investigation almost always led to social media. Yeah. Back in the day, you just, you call a parent and yep. you- <laughs> What the world is going on? And so, yeah. so for me, um, there's a way in which we must expose him to in-person relationships yes. and then also expose him, uh, help him have morals, principles, yes. and character entering in that never, never land yes. community. Yep. We realize that in that community, uh, there's class, yeah. um, there's pre-assumptions in these, in yes. these kids. Um, even in the video games they play, um, if you don't have certain characters, they call you poor. Yeah. They call you, so the, their community is much different. And so for me, exposing him to um, a broad range of that definition, yes. I believe is the job that me and my wife have yeah. for him. Yeah. It's, it is so funny. And as you're talking about it, and as soon as you said it to like the virtual communities and when you were saying when, you know, when we went to school, it was, that's exactly what I was thinking. I'm like, it was, you're getting on the school bus, whatever happened on the school bus. It was like, it was like the drama would come right with you. That's what I was thinking. And so I totally resonate with that. And it is so, it is so interesting myself. I mean, I'm 26, but hearing how kids are growing up today from a nine-year-old perspective, 
I don't have that insight into it. So it's so interesting for me to hear. I have cousins who are 16, 18. So I have a better scope into that side of the family than I do the younger generation that's still coming in. So it's so fascinating to me to hear what is at their fingertips right now and what they have access to and how they are communicating and working with other kids. It's so interesting to hear how we are developing in the world. world. It's a, um, it's a radical concept for me to put my mind around um, only because when he engaged in relationship, my son, um, he's going to have more information about that human being than I would have had at that age because I would have had to talk to you. Right. I had to ask you, what's your favorite color? Yeah. But now you can read a person's profile or you can read about a person or look them up and learn more about them before ever talking to them or meeting them in person. And that's just a different way of engaging someone when you know more than than what we historically would know about you. So it is a different... It's a, this is a it's radical weird. change. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's weird for all of us who grew up in it. And like you were saying, yeah. actually have to like ask yes. somebody their favorite color instead. Now, um, you know, you always hear the conversation. Women are going in like our FBI yeah. agents yeah. when they yeah. go in the dating world. And I'm like, when did yeah. we go from this yeah. different world? Uh, yeah. I want to hop into you running for mayor. And I think a lot of us have this very big picture of what running actually looks like, but can you take us through what actually running for a position like mayor looks like? Yeah, I I always encourage um, individuals to uh, first explore who you're representing. Yeah. And I I say that well, because I I say that often and I mean it um, because some individuals engage in campaigns because they're trying to elevate to a position that they think that they should be. Um, But I think our democracy runs well when the candidate is becoming a student of the group that they are attending to represent. And so I use that word um, with all authentic uh, meaning to the word student. Um, I have a PhD, but that means nothing when I enter your community. You're the expert to your conditions, to what zoning cases will yeah. impact you, to the road, the speed, the, the, the traffic, the foot yeah. and car traffic around your community, the safety around your community. I'm coming to learn. And so I think during campaigns, um, you should be a student and then you should reflect whatever those concerns are in office. That should be your first step. Right. And then in that that first step, your question should be, do you want me to represent you? It should be something that you're seeking permission. Most people come in and say, this is what I want to do. And I would love your endorsement for that. I think it should be the inverse. I think the power should be held in community and you should be, you should be going to that power um, to ask if you are the person needed for that position. And, and, and I think that's probably the most important step Um, because after that, you could fail in many areas yeah, if you don't get yeah. that right. Um, but after that, then you get a team. Um, that team usually have different uh, sections. There's a there's a campaign manager, and then um, there's a if, if if it's large enough, there's a deputy campaign manager. Um, you have a treasurer. The treasurer is really really important. <laughs> 
The treasure is really, really important. Um, and you you want a really close relationship. You, the human being, want a really close relationship with that human being. And uh, and then after that, that you have someone who's over um, sort of canvassing, voter outreach. Um, and then you have a team that's over policy. All of them are important. Uh, but the treasurer actually reports to the state and to the county. Uh, so you want to make sure that that person knows what they're doing. There's training. So I don't want to scare okay. no one off from this training. They teach you okay. how to do it. Um, and it's, and it's, uh, it's something anybody can do. Okay. And don't let com uh, members um, of, your, of your community um, distract you okay. from wanting to be a candidate. Uh, most people make it a daunting. Um, right, right. And so we lose quality people because uh, the fear of the weight of that. Okay. It is a sacrifice. That's why it's a public service. Yes. Uh, it, it is a sacrifice. I don't want to minimize that. Um, but you already have the qualifications. Right. There's a website that says, this is what is this is what qualifies you to run for a position. Okay. If you meet that, then you're sufficient. <laughs> you don't, you don't, you don't need, you don't need three PhDs. You don't need to have taught a course. You don't need. And I say that because there's some amazing human beings that would never enter that space. And when I was running, uh, we had campaign events and it was some individuals that have never been to a campaign event. Yeah. They've never seen a candidate before. They've never seen a mayor candidate before. And to me, that was disheartening because that person should represent the city, yeah. the community. And uh, most people didn't feel welcome in that yeah, space. Yeah. But it's usually a, a six to eight month journey. Okay. Uh, and there's a series of uh, events that you put on, okay. um, fundraisers, uh, uh, social media is now a larger role. Yes. I, I would probably say the most significant role. Most individuals are living life and they don't have time to come to and your event. And so the more you give people access to your things the better um, but it is a journey uh, that a team gets around for um for about roughly under a, a year and it's a it's a high intensity eight months and that's why you feel your body feels the weight of it but it's an intense eight months and then it releases and so um most human beings can only do that but so often uh, so it's an intense month and then it releases uh, my, the last thing on that, on, on just preparing for a campaign, yeah. you have to know who you are. At the end of the story, they want to know who you are. They want to know your story. Yeah. They want to know your why. Yeah. They want to know, and most individuals enter in not knowing who they are. So when you're going to the community to say, am I the person with the skill sets? You're coming to say, this is who I am. Right. <laughs> yeah. Do I represent your, <laughs> do I represent uh, uh, your values or am I able to execute on your desires for your community. And so know who you are. Okay. Um, and when I say that, I mean, I've written a mission statement for Terrence okay. Okay. and shared it with people to say, does this reflect who you know? Yeah. There's a set of values that I've written down. This Is this representative of who you are? Um, know who you are. Do not um, enter that space without that because okay. the only thing you're gonna do is they're gonna give you tasks to learn who you are. <laughs> so so you can do it now or later, um, but uh I think that's a, a significant part. Um, that's probably a pre-step one yes. is knowing who you are. Yes. Do you feel like, and this is hitting on something that you had said, do you feel like that people, when we think of politics now today, we think of some very big politics where some of us are really then become turned off by 
mayor or some of these other local positions. Have you felt that when you went and ran? Yeah. So um, what was unfortunate is um, I ran into um, several individuals, groups, neighborhoods that didn't even know what a mayor does. Right. They didn't know um, the relationship between the mayor and the city council. Yeah. Most of them have like major city mayors, right. like strong mayors. Yeah. Um, like New York, where it's it's almost like a CEO. Oh my God, yeah. um, here you have a city manager yes. mayoral relationship. Yes, the city manager is actually somebody you should know. Yeah, <laughs> that person yeah. is running the city, um, and the mayor is a vote, just like every other council member. Okay. The mayor here is more of a um, uh, is more of a uh, mouthpiece, um, um, a brand ambassador okay. for the city. Okay. Whereas in other major cities, they are running. They have their team. Yeah. They're running the yeah. entire. Here you have a uh, mayoral um, city manager okay. uh, relationship. So okay. the mayor makes policy. Yep. The city manager executes that policy okay. day to day. Uh, and so um, most individuals that I've ran into didn't know the function. They didn't know what yep. a mayor can and can't yep. do. And for me, uh, I think that local government impacts you more than any other level yep. of government. Yep. However, the noise of federal and state yeah. um, makes uh, makes the voter assume that that weight clumped impacts them yep. more than... Yep. So you begin to be clumped into a narrative. Even yeah. when you vote, Yeah. the mayoral Ele uh, 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 selections of a uh, section of the yes. of the ballot was at the bottom. Yeah. It was near yeah. e e the bottom or the second yeah. page. <laughs> when everybody's really tired yeah. of bubbling yeah. in all yes. of those answers. Yes. And so uh, local government has a strong history in changing this country. Okay. And I'm going to talk exclusively about uh, like, sort of like civil rights history. Yes. Um, so when you look at uh, the bus boycott, Yes, that was local. That yeah. was uh, city council, uh, uh, commissioners, yep. mayor. And then when that wasn't solved, it went to the governor and that wasn't solved, it went to the president. Yes. Most people start listening when it went to the president. Yeah. When you seen the president send yep. the National Guard to, but uh, desegregating schools, that was the school board. Yep. That was local. Yeah. That was, that yeah. was we're, we're, we're talking about local yeah. issues. Yeah. Um, and uh, the sit-ins, the sit-ins, yep. which was started in Shaw University at the with Ella Baker, um, that was a local issue. Um, I, I on my podcast on one of the, the episodes, the archivist brings in pictures of of the students who came to come sit in at Cameron Village at the time. It was named yeah. Cameron Village. Yeah. Uh, this was local. It was a local issue, but most people assume national. Right. And then they take on, or they make judgments based on the brand of national politics. Yeah. But also there's some uh, messiness in local politics um, that often distract people. And I and, and my goal is to make local politics consumable again. Yep. That's my goal. Yeah. Um, as a candidate, I want to talk about issues. Yep. I don't want to be anti any other human being that's running. I want to talk about issues. Um, so many people want to drag you into anti-human beings. I'm not anti. I'm not at any moment during my campaign did I mention my candidate's name. Right. Not at any moment. We only talked about what we're hearing from the community. If that's driving the narrative, people will enter in. Yeah. But
But if it if but they're entering spaces where you, they have to hate somebody, yeah, then we're gonna lose yeah. voters at all levels. Yeah. I might we might have to pull out the therapy chair for this one, <laughs> but was it what you were expecting when you went and ran? Like what yeah. <laughs> what what emotions? Yeah. Was it did you go through your paces with this? Yeah, so it was it was a lot um at different stages. So um, when you when I first started, I was learning from different individuals. And then yeah. when you announce, it becomes real. Yeah. Most people look over the announcement. They say there's a lot of positive energy during yeah. the announcement. But that, that energy, that wave, that applause is a shift over to responsibility. Yes. So now your voice matters when an event happens. Now your voice matters when a decision needs yeah. to be made. So that that announcement shifts responsibility over to you. Uh, and so we were preparing for that moment okay. as a family. We were preparing for that moment. Yeah. We announced, um, I think it was like January 4th or, or um, I was like early January. I think it was a January 4th. And then the raid on the Capitol happened that same week. And so you, like you, you immediately are thrust into um, a very angry narrative immediately right after you announced that same week we're watching, you know, national news. Yes. I mean, it was, it was, it was unreal. And th so that made it hit home yeah. that this is, this is real. Uh, and I've been in positions where I've been in close proximity to state leaders, national leaders. That's not new to me. I've been in positions where I had to lead at national and, and state and local levels. That's not new to me. Uh, but the weight of being a public servant is that you're executing the the policy for someone else's quality of life. Yep. And I remember when uh, there was a community in, in my city where uh, they were about to demolish the neighborhood yep. for a new development. Yep. And there was a, uh, there was an older uh, woman and looked like she, she, she was in her late eighties yep. and uh, they were doing a, a eviction block party. And they invited me to come. I spoke for a little bit, and then they were. It was. It was. It, they were celebrating the history, the stories, the memories yeah. of that space while it was still alive. Yeah. Um, there were bubbles. Kids were playing with the bubbles. I mean, you would think that this is a barbecue block party, oh, yeah. but they're they're celebrating that last memory. And she held my hand while everybody's dancing and doing their line dancing and everything. She said, please don't leave us. Um, uh, don't leave us. And that's when you really received the weight that yeah. your decisions are impacting actual human beings, not this abstract community term. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes, yes. And, uh, and that's when I realized that uh, this is this is a much larger fight than Terrence or my son or my wife. Um, and then also, at the time, there was a strategy to bring national issues local. So you started getting the CRT issue. Yeah. You started getting the book ban issue. Yeah. You said all these things started yeah. pushing down the local yeah. where school boards are now, you know, so local became a centerpiece for many conversations. Yeah. And so for me, the moment that I announced, everything became local. Uh, and, uh, and so for me, that it was a lot to go through during those different phases, the weight that it had on uh, my son at his school, the yeah. weight that it had on my wife and, and the places that she exist 
um, those moments are real. And, and um, until you experience it, um, it's hard to fully grasp that way. Yeah. First of all, you, we, we, you and I had talked about this. You had no idea walking right. into this world what this world was. Right. What do you think of this world of podcasting? Now? You know what's, you know what's amazing. Uh, I used to think that people didn't want information like yeah. they used to. You, you, like you can't really have a long post anymore online. Yeah, yeah. you can't really uh, recommend a book. You know, yeah. they read a little bit, but you know, yeah. Um, but podcast people will sit and <laughs> there's a loyalist group <laughs> cleaning the house, yeah. driving to work, yeah. cooking dinner, whatever yeah. it is, Terrence, there is a podcast for you yeah. to listen to. Yeah. Podcasts have become the most comfortable way for people to consume information. Yep. And I didn't know that walking in, yep. uh, when I started recording, we recorded our first episode. I'm just thinking, yeah, I put this out. Somebody will listen. <laughs> and then there was a group of teachers on Twitter that that said, this is it, and shared it. And it ended up... Uh, 10%. Yeah, 10% yeah, podcast globally. Yeah, it, it's... And I, I was... I, in my mind, I'm an educator. I knew my, yeah. my network's educators, but I was thinking more like voters. I was just... Yeah. My audience, yeah. I was just, you know, the average person yep. who feel scared of, you know, yep. local government. Yep. I was like trying to provide yes. clarity for them. So you hear it in our topics. The first one's Ella Baker. Yes. Because most people think you have to start big and you need, you need a well-funded we oil machine. And Ella yeah. was in a basement, yeah. a small room at Shaw University. Yeah. She wasn't in Atlanta with Dr. King. Yeah. She was in Raleigh, yep. you know, like, yep. like she, she put this together and it was college students. It wasn't these the, the, the professors at the university yeah, yeah it wasn't in the provost's office right you know? like right was, and and they changed the world you know yeah, they, they, yeah. They, they changed the world and so i wanted to start there because the average person yep. should feel empowered yes to take their journey yes. and not have to start at yep. the mountaintop yep you can start in a valley with a small yep. group of people yep. end up changing yep. the universe and and our topic sort of touch and stay in that lane. Yeah. Uh, so when we yep. talk about housing, we said, what, why does housing mean so much to the person? Yes. Why is it personal? Yes. Our cars is not that as personal. Yeah. Our bikes are not as personal. Yeah. Um, our clothes may be, but a home. Yeah. A home is as if you're talking about me. Yeah. <laughs> and so, yes. And so uh, we, we have an expert on there that, that, that traces the earlier yeah. uh, notions of home. Yeah. And like, why does this mean so much to us? Yes. Why would it be part of a national dream, American yeah. dream? Why would yeah. that, why would a home not, right. why not? Right. Why not a healthy family right. or, you know? Like, yeah. But my home is American dream. Yes. And so we, we trace that back. Yes. So that people can understand. Yeah. Like, where does that come from? Yeah. And it didn't come out yeah. the clear blue sky. Yes. <laughs> yes. And so for anybody who hasn't listened to this so far, go listen to it. <laughs> but anybody who hasn't so far, can you set the stage? But also why now? Why start this podcast right here and right now? That's such a good question, Danielle, yeah, because most people, we're at a point in our country where if the individual or um, the community is not heard at this moment. I think yes. we'll, we'll see more people disenchanted or yes. unsatisfied with democracy Absolutely. altogether. 
And I think we need to um, realize who's the target audience. Yep. Democracy has an end user. Yep. And we can't lose the end user. Yeah. And so most of the products we use, people designed it with the purpose of the end user yep. being satisfied. Yep. yep. And so with democracy, we must ask ourselves, is the end user satisfied yeah. with the product? And I don't know if they would answer that answer that, answer that question in the positive. Yeah. And so for me, I think the podcast right now addresses that very thing. Okay. This is a moment for you to feel that the black box, the scary secret aspects yeah. of local government, you can now see. Okay. Now you can feel, uh, so someone said they didn't like the word empowered. They said mm. uh, activated or energized. Mm -hmm. Now you can feel energized around what you know now yeah. to engage. And the very last piece is you're sufficient. Yeah. In the end, yeah. our government doesn't require for you to be a superhero. Yeah. <laughs> you yes. are right now sufficient. And so the yeah. podcast tries to touch on these very critical issues okay. that that our democracy sort of rests on. It's okay. the soil. And if we don't if we don't produce clean soil, I think we're gonna lose that end yes. user. And I yes. don't and that's really the outcome of this, okay. this, this podcast. And while we were talking about you, you were talking about Ella Baker and the interesting part of this, Ella Baker is no longer with us. She's been she's been dead for quite some time. Sure. Why start with her? That's you were so just good. introducing it, but why start with her? Why was it important to start with Ella Baker? Yeah, so so we we have um, giants in history that are unknown. Yeah, um, I would I would say a Pauli Murray is one of those. Mm. A Pauli Murray designed the first restaurant sit-in before sit-ins were popular right 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 <laughs> and like no one she's yes. still a trivia question yes. and yes. she wrote books that the attorneys who won the law yeah. cases um in the civil rights movement um the NAACP attorneys use her yes. brain yeah um but we still don't know her yeah Ella's one of those giants okay that we don't know okay and and most in the people most people benefit from her work yeah without knowing yeah. and she would have wanted it that way yeah leadership that produces strong leaders yeah and not centralized leadership right was her philosophy right she did not want to be a queen or a king yeah but she wanted to make a room a pipeline of yep. leaders that's why she started with students yep her name was never on anything right um she sacrificed her personal life so that those who felt um, unengaged or 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 not worthy or sufficient, yes. they were empowered or okay. energized. Um, she did that work without her name being placed on anything. Right. And so I think her uh, style of leadership is something that we need right now. Yeah. I think it's a healthy um, model yep. for our society, for the appetite of our society right yes. now, and also for the historical errors that um, people may have observed or experienced yes. in government. Yes. Her leadership style, yeah. I think, is a cure, is a medicine for okay. that. Okay. And so I wanted to start with her because I think her framework of empowering people, making sure that people understand that they're leaders yep. where they are, yep. um, was a framework that we wanted to sort of rest okay. every episode okay. and on the podcast. Okay. Are there other giants you have in mind? Or I'm sure you're working on this already, but are there other giants you have in mind already? Like, we're going to hit. 
this person and what they've done. Yeah, I think um, most people don't know Dr. Flood. He's actually here in North Carolina. Um, he's he's in the, I think, North Carolina Hall of Fame. I know he's in the Raleigh and Wake County Hall of Fame. Yep. Dr. Flood is a giant. He's, he's spoken all over the world. Um, he's still alive. He's in his 90s. Yeah. Um, but he was the person tasked with desegregating schools. Mm-hmm. Most people benefited from that. Uh, but they don't know what happened. What's the right. details? Right. What was what was the plan? Who's like, the man yeah, who did it? Who went in and said, yeah. okay, this is what we're going to do. Yeah. This was that guy. Okay. And his role um, uh, is invisible because we just sort of assume that right. it happened right after the legislation. Yep. After legislation was passed, you then had to roll out an action plan. Yeah. And for me, uh, I think his role and education is significant, especially for this moment. Yeah. Because we're starting to see separation again. Yeah. We're starting to see that same yes. pattern that he was fighting yes. against um, reemerge in yeah. communities. Yeah. Um, you're starting to see ethnic centric schools, um, class centric schools. Yeah. Um, uh, and the vision historically was that a, 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 a diverse mixed community okay. produces a better result than a homogeneous community yep. and schools were supposed to model that same framework. Yeah. And, uh, and so he, his, he's still alive. He's still, sharp um he, he's he's a great human being but that's a well, giant that most people won't even yeah won't even know yeah so yeah it's this it's so exciting just to be able to sit down with people like yourself who it and 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 i say this with every podcast host because everybody has something that's different right. that they talk about and it's so incredible to hear what insight you bring mm. to you, your community, your audience, who is listening to your podcast, but it's also incredible to hear there. I mean, everybody has so many different sure. journeys. So it's so, I, that's what I love about this space. Um, and the ability to sit down like we're doing yes. right now, have this conversation and yes. be able to get to know each other better. And sure. what we are passionate about, sure. I think is the beautiful thing I love about podcasting sure. in this world. That's right. You get a, you get an intimate moment yes. with someone. <laughs> yes. Yes. I love it. I was like, it's almost very cathartic yes. for me where it's a nice yes. um, break in the yes. day almost. Yes. Where it's kind of... That's right. As That's much right. as people That's think right. this is work, it is still very much work, but it is nice just to be able to yes. have that little bit of time. Yes. And actually going back to how community That's and right. how we grew up, That's like right. here we are. That's right. That's right. Terrence, That's what's right. your favorite color? <laughs> <laughs> no, you, 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 you're right. I mean, you, you very rarely um, get to hear somebody's authentic story. You mm-hmm. normally, you're normally hearing a brand yep. or you're hearing a presentation. Yeah. Um, but who are you? Yep. What, what, what are your fears? Yeah. What do you struggle with? Yes. And, and I, 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 what I love about um, some of the characters in history that we're talking about, yeah. they wrote journals. We Which can, we can see what Ella was yeah. afraid of. We can see what Paulie Murray was afraid of. Yeah. Um, and so for me, it's those, it's those moments in which um, you see where somebody was anxious because yeah. it humanizes them yep. so that you can say, I can do that too. Yep. But if they're a superhero, if they're superhuman, yes. then you feel scared to even walk that journey. Yeah. I don't think Ella wanted anyone to elevate her to the point where um, you wouldn't follow her footsteps. Yeah, yeah. And so we must be authentic and human. Yes. So that people can do yeah, the same. Yeah. You 
Oh, I absolutely love it. And Terrence, just my last question for you is just what inspires you in this very big world? Yeah, so it's, uh, that's a good question. Um, one, um, I do think that we all contribute to something much mm. larger than ourselves. Mm -hmm. And I'm hoping that what I'm doing in the world is a contribution. Mm. It's not the end product. It's not, it's not the silver bullet. It's not no. the, it's not the superhero act. It's right. my role yeah. in this larger community. Yes. And then uh, a subcategory to that is my role and allowing my son to see his role in the larger community. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what is the example that he will look at and say, um, I'm doing this because I, I saw my dad do this. Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. Actually, yeah. my eyes was, yeah. was there when I watched him. And so there's several layers uh, to it. There's we're, we're complex beings. We have we, are. we have we have a soul. Yeah. We have uh, we have hopes and desires. Yeah. Um, and so for me, um, there's a spiritual aspect of it and then there's a physical aspect yeah. of it. But in the end, I just want to create a contribution. Yeah. I was just talking with a guest. And actually, as you were just saying that and leaving something for Miles to be able to see, um, he had said he was leaving breadcrumbs for his wow, kids. That's good. And I had said, as simple as that that's statement good. is, I was like, I that's appreciate good. the depth of it because whatever you are doing, Miles being able to see what yes. you are doing. Yes breadcrumbs yes. and whatever form it is every yes. single person is leaving breadcrumbs behind so for their kids for who or somebody who so they might not even know who may be written in history books to come up that's behind so you and be able to see what you've done i loved the analogy wow, uh, I, I think that's amazing yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> i was like and that one's coming with me um because I like you feel that that's you right. feel that you are right. those breadcrumbs right. are being left. That's right. Uh, and and I, I actually know adults um, who were that child that yeah. ate the breadcrumbs. Yeah. Um, Carmen Kaufman is one right in Raleigh. Yeah. Carmen Carmen's parents were amazing. Yes. Father was at the drugstore and yeah. the mother was the first um, black woman on the school board. Yeah. Um, uh, I mean, that's an amazing yes. story and trail of crumbs to have to pick up and consume. Yes. And so I've actually seen the yeah. end product for yeah. some of that. Yeah. You know, so it's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. yeah. Well, Terrence, I can't thank you enough for being here with me today. If you have not listened to Logical by Truth, please go listen to it. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all the streaming platforms. Um, go give Terrence a follow. But I just I can't thank you enough. And uh, I can't wait to keep listening to all these episodes that you're putting out. Uh, it's, it's, it's almost like a history lesson for yeah. me getting to getting to go back. And so I so appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, absolutely. And I will see you guys back here next time. <laughs> Bye y'all. <laughs>